Good morning, and thank you so much for the opportunity here at Knox Presbyterian to join you in this exchange. Actually, your pastor, Nick, is going to be speaking for us when we are done here. So we've got a busy day between the two of us, but glad to join you this morning. We're just a few blocks away, but we're part of the great kingdom story. Uh, Whether we're Baptist or Presbyterian, whether we're black or white, we are all precious in God's sight. And I know you're on this series for the parables uh, leading up to the uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, We're in the Lent season right now as the whole church across the world is celebrating what it means for the cross and the salvation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So glad I can join you. I have a theme for you along this reading you just heard a little while ago from Matthew chapters 20 verses 1 to 16. I was encouraged to kind of I deliberate and share with you along this line of encouragement on what this parable means to all of us, and I'm calling it unfair grace. Actually, I have two themes for you. You'll get the last theme, the second theme at the very end, but it's a journeying to the cross is what you've been discussing here at Knox, and this particular passage is, uh, is really about unfair grace, looking from both the perspective of man and this world and that of God as well. So Jesus paints a picture of the justice and rewards of God's coming kingdom. He does that primarily for all the parables, but this one primarily is focused on what it means. And parabole is the word in Greek. It means a parable or an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And all of them depicts the same thing. So what does this parable teach us? The vineyard parable by Jesus. Hmm. I think it answers a question, actually, from Matthew chapters 19, verses 27, where Peter asks a question, but I will conclude with that at the very end. Christ is responding in reality to this journey to the cross in trying to exude what the kingdom will look like in opposition to what this evil world is leading us to, as we see in the early times of, of Jesus Christ and the apostles. So the parable really answers to the Lord's uh, doing for us in this modern context as well, even though it's 2,000 years ago. And that's how the world works it out. Or it's a trading from one another in this parable talking about the vineyard where commerce and economy, and what we're familiar with, with being rewarded for the works we do. We see similarly Christ is using this idiom, if you want to call it that, or this comparison from a spiritual context. This is the second parable in a row that Jesus used to express profound truths about the kingdom of God. And he did this in using the language and the ideas of commerce and employment, as I just shared earlier on. In the parable, Jesus is talking about the workers in the vineyard. He's saying and describing what the kingdom of heaven is like. <laughs> as he does in all the parables. The kingdom of heaven is where creation matters the most. Can I say it again? The kingdom of heaven is where creation matters the most to God. Where right and wrong are determined by God and his terms. God's terms and his terms only. The creator. And so in our parable today, the vineyard, there is a landowner, a person of some power. There is a foreman. And, and then there is people seeking employment or seeking work. It's early in the morning. And he offers the workers each a denarius. A denarius which they agree to. And then he sends them to work in the vineyards. 
Now, I was there in Israel a couple of years ago, and I actually happened to put my hands on some of those denarius coins. It's actually an ancient Roman silver coin that carried some value for a day's wage. Now, don't get confused, because the value today is probably about uh, 260, 270 U.S. if you were to do the exchange. But in back 2,000 years ago, it was a full day's wage. So today, what's a full day's wage? Well, it's probably about $100 to $120 a day. Probably not as much as me and Pastor Nick is making right now. So hint, hint, hint. We probably can do it a raise. <laughs> any rate, uh, what it is for us nowadays is about maybe twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year. So that was the, a very good, a very good portion of work for them. Each worker had agreed to a day's pay, a day's wage, which really worked out to be a denarius. It unfolds later that workers are offered the same wage, trusting. The owner will pay whatever is right. And as the story unfolds, we see in verses 8, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, this is after three hours following, six hours following, on the 11th hour afterwards, different workers came from the ones who came early in the morning to the ones who came three hours later, who came six hours later, who came later. And I used to work in, uh, in, in, the, in the secular field, and we had this one young man always came to work late every day. I am not kidding you. I worked for 10 years in this company, and he came to work late every day. And we used to always talk about this. I wonder if they will ever cut his pay, because he certainly is working lot, much less hours than we are. The same story goes on here, because the owner calls the foreman, and he calls the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired to the first ones hired. Hmm. Sounds like a familiar story to me. We're celebrating 195 years of history this, this year. And you've got a wonderful history as well, since 1820 you were birth. So we've got a long combined history together. And when you think about the story of our heritage and our history and our faith, it's actually pale in comparison to the story of Jesus. <laughs> Because he was in the beginning. And his story goes much more. So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. We keep bragging about our history. But we're going to brag about Christ's history. We'll come back to that as well in a moment for now. But I want to just remind you that they were starting to pay the last and then the first. All, no matter what, when they started to cut the wages, all of them started to do what? Complaints. Complaints and grumbling soon develop as to why the early ones did not receive more and it's just, just unfair. In this world life we're living in right now, it seems very reasonable to most of us in the work environment we are familiar with because we are always exchanging some work or some employment for some kind of reward or some kind of merit that we get from that. Absolutely. The text demonstrates tension in the vineyard. Mm, that's another theme for a for topic. Why the tension? Well, what's the deal fence? Those who worked 12 hours were paid the same amount as those who had worked only one hour. Sounds like unfair, unjust paid for me. I've been working all day, working hard, sweating in the sun. I deserve more. I am equal to them. I'm sorry, not equal to them. I am better than they are. I work longer. I've done more. I have given more of myself and more of my time. I'm speaking up for my rights. Sounds like familiar topics today in our modern day perspective of pandemics 
and racial tension and all we're seeing as well, where everyone seems to be fighting for this sense of justice and equality and not recognizing in the eyes of God he sees one creation, one people who are created for his glory. Now we've got to recognize first and foremost we are beyond our color, we're beyond our status, we're beyond who we are, and we are children of God made in his image. So now how does a landowner respond? Is he fair in his response? Well, he answers to the one of them, perhaps, who was making the most complaints. And he says, I am not being unfair to you, my friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who has hired last the same as I give to the one who was hired first. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money. Now that's the crust of the matter here. Who has the power to decide and determine how he's going to be generous to whomsoever? And he's saying to us in a context of our God and our Savior, how he does not provide favoritism to anyone, but sees us all equally as well. And verse 14 and verse 15, let me break it down for you in those particular passages, because you probably read in the NIV, And the NIV says this, take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I give you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Now that's the translation from the NIV. But if we go to the original King James translation from the Greek, it reads thus, the last part of the the passage in verse 15. Is thine eye evil because I am good? See, the word is good and not so much generous. We translate the word only to give us a physical, earthly understanding of how employment and economics work for exchange for the things we do. So we use the word generous to imply some sense of a reward for what we have done. But the word in the Greek here is good. The NIV says generous. But the Greek word is agathos. Agathos is the word good. An evil eye was associated with jealousy and envy, which we are very familiar with in the passages in the Gospels. Because I am generous or good in the original is what the landowner Christ was using to show the goodness of God, the beyond fairness of God. That's what he was doing for us in this case. So the landowner is suggesting that what is really in the heart of the person complaining is not that this is a matter of justice, but it's a matter of goodness. It's not a matter of justice because the landowner is not unjust, absolutely not. The landowner is good and generous because he is respecting the promise he made in the agreement that they will accept one denarius in any shape or form of the hours they would have worked. And so is Jesus saying to all of us. I wonder if people who live this life and compromise their faith in sin and the very last minute before they're on the deathbed, they will say, Lord, forgive me, and they get to heaven and I sacrifice my whole life. To serve him. Giving up all the pleasures of this world. Is it equal? Is it fair? Of course it is. God is no respect of person. 
The opportunity for us to follow this grace of God, Jesus Christ, is opportunity until we die. So we tend to compare fairness to our world and the kingdom. And we fail to realize that God is beyond fear. God is, can I say it? God is beyond fairness. God is beyond justice. Here's my word to you. He is good beyond fairness. He is good beyond justice. He is generous beyond our expectations. In fact, his mercies, the word says, endures forever. And verse 16 says this, So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last, for many are called, but few are chosen. I love that passage, which is going to come back to Matthew chapter 19, where Peter's asking the question, If I say I will work for you for $10 an hour for eight hours, you would owe me $80 minus deductions. That is a very simple fair deal. This is a parable of the kingdom of God, and this question shows that God's great gifts simply because they are God's. And they are distributed not because they are earned, but because he is graciously good and generous to whomsoever. In the kingdom of God, the driving force is not merit and ability. Can I say it again? The kingdom of God is not about merit and abilities. It's not what you can do or what you can earn out of this process of trying to earn God's favor. No. As in the word, but it is grace. And I want to talk about grace now. Because the theme is unfair grace from a world's perspective. When you don't measure up to my level of commitment and I tend to feel that I deserve more, I should earn more. Grace is all about unmerited favor of God. Uh-huh. It is grace, a principle of God's kingdom. It is the blessings of God that are not earned. The good things in our lives, the joys in our lives, the spiritual blessings that we receive are not earned. Even salvation itself, the saving of our souls, is not earned. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of God's glory. In God's realm of authority, where he exercises his power in kindness, in love, all this is true. And all this is available to us for free. We don't have to come early the first hour. We don't have to come the third hour after or the sixth hour after and feel there is inequality for God's grace and God's mercy and God's eternal promise to us. That's the good news. We don't have to come with richness and, and maybe have more, more uh, access than others to feel we qualify better. We don't have to come because we have a different hue on our skin and we feel we have more superiority over anyone else based on our culture. None of the above matters at all because, it says this, when we believe that Jesus died for our sins, that Jesus paid the debt for all our sins. It had nothing to do with my merits. It was all about the grace of God sacrificing his son in place of me that now allows me unmerited favor of God. And so you see, something was earned. But it wasn't earned by me and you. 
No one in this world was ever earned by. Something very costly was purchased. Something was earned. It was the blood of Jesus. The sacrifice of the cross. It was his release to his father to become the sacrificial lamb of God. So that when God sees us now, he doesn't see who I am. He sees who Jesus is in me. He doesn't see my works, but he sees the works of the one he had sent. Let me bring it home to you with a wonderful passage that describes it all in Ephesians chapters 2, verses 8 to 11. It qualifies exactly where we have been in this last little while. It says this in verses 8 to 11. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not through works. Not to coming early to work. Not to being paid for wages that you would have done. And earned, sorry, for what you would have done. But by faith you have been saved through grace. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Hallelujah. It is the gift and the promise of his son that allows me to reap the rewards of heaven. Not of works, verse 9. Not of works lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So let me give you four points, just to give you a perspective on where we are with this vineyard story and why there seems to be an unfair grace in the process of the the owner paying those who work less the equal to those who work more. And how we live in this life of comparison and always straining towards employment of getting a raise or doing better or performing somebody else or maybe jealous because somebody is doing better and getting more for the same work I do. It's a real world we're living in today of competitiveness. And point number one, God's goodness and generosity is not based on merit. And you'll find it in verse 8b. God's, sorry, verse uh, 8a. God's goodness And God's generosity is not based on merit. It was the landowner's money and he can do whatever he wants. It is God's creation made us in his image and God can do whatever he wants with his creatures and creation. And it says here in Romans chapter 11 verses 6, If salvation is by grace, and of course it is, it is no longer on the basis of God's of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. It is not based on the basis of works. That's Romans 11 verse 6. Hmm. Very interesting. 2 Timothy chapters 1 verse 9 says this. God who saved us and called us to a higher calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own Purpose and grace, which he gave in Christ Jesus before the age to come. That means 2,000 years ago, we're in 2021, the plan of God was through Christ. Not because of my works, but because of Christ's works allows me the grace that God offers to me today. Hmm, Matthew 20 verse 15. It is against the law for me to do what I want with my money. Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? 
It's not on others' merits. It's on the owner. It's on the creator. It's on God himself that determines the generosity and the goodness he offers to his creation. Point number two. God's blessing is not pay-rated, but a gift. God's blessings is not pay-rated. There's nothing I can do to increase God's favor on me. I can't be as good a person as I want to be unless I recognize first and foremost I've been saved through the grace of Jesus Christ. I know James says, not of works lest anyone should boast. But you've got to recognize the works follows grace. Grace doesn't follow works. Works follows grace. So God's blessing is not pay-rated, but a gift. And it says here in Romans 3.20, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of our sin. Mm, it's the gift of God. In fact, James Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then James 1 verse 17 says, Every perfect gift comes from the Father above. Point number three. God's rewards is not about our boastful works, but that of Christ. You see it in verse 9. God's rewards is not about our boastful works, but that of Christ. Galatians 6.14 says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me. And I to the world, somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> I hope you say hallelujah, presence here in church. Hallelujah, somebody, amen. It's the blessing, it's the reward, it's not about boastful works, but of Christ. We boast about Christ and him crucified, hallelujah. And that's the message of the gospel. It says here in James 4, 6, he gave more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives Grace to the humble. <laughs> it's not about boasting about our works, but it's about Christ. And last point, number four. God sees all his creatures equally created and precious in his sight. Somebody shout amen again. That's in verse 10. Galatians 1 verse 20, uh, sorry, Genesis 1 27 says, God made us in his image, male and female, created he them Oh, hallelujah. I am thankful that even through this pandemic season and even through this season of anti-racism anti that we are looking at modern history to try and understand. But I'm telling you right now, go back to the promise in the garden where God made you equal in his eyes, male and female. Bond nor free, according to Galatians 3.28. Slave, no. Masters, no. Male, female, no. No comparison except we are creatures of God's creation made in his image. So let me just wrap it up for you if I can. I gave you the, the three points. Oh, and the fourth point. The fourth point is we're equal in God's eyes. Romans 2 verse 11. God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. I leave those four points with you. God's goodness and generosity is not based on your merit. God's blessing is not pay-rated, but a gift. God's rewards is not about our boastful works, but that of Christ. And God sees all his creatures equal, precious, 
in his sight. Somebody shout amen. Let me give you some life's applications. Life application. Be thankful for everything that we have in God. Do everything without complaining and stop complaining. Stop comparing yourself to others and don't begrudge God's generosity. Amen. And I want to leave one last word with you. I sit to you. I will read you the, the passage in Matthew 19 just to show you what Peter was saying to Jesus in verse 27. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Will inherit eternal life. And so in verse 16 of chapter 20, and so the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Let me allow you to recognize in this passage, Ephesians chapter 2, it says this. It says, you've been saved by grace through faith. Walk in your faith in this story of the vineyard where you recognize in man's comparison, he's going to compare you to everything else, but in God's eyes, it's your faith that matters on the internal. So in this life, faith it till you make it. Faith it Till you make it. God bless you. And thank you again. And let me give you some questions to ponder while we take a reflective moment for the next couple of minutes. Number one, how would you feel if you worked all day and received the same as the person who worked for just one hour? Think about that for a moment in your faith journey. Number two, do you suspect by being more good than bad God owes you a reward. Do you have to earn for God to accept you? And number three, what can you do to earn God's favor? What can you do to earn God's favor? Ponder and God bless you. Thank you.